Good evening and welcome to Direct Impact Broadcasting, the station of growth and transformation. Affiliate of Creative Broadcasting presents Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson with your host, Taiwana Wilson, as she welcomes her guest to the studio. Welcome, welcome to Leadership Tidbits. I am your host, Tywana Wilson. I have a very special guest in the building today in our virtual learning laboratory. I am very excited to have my sister, my friend, my sorority sister, my fellow sister scientist up in the building, Stephanie Whitehead up in the building. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Hey, Coach T, how are you? I am doing excellent. I am just excited to have you in the learning <laughs> laboratory today. I'm happy for everybody to be able to learn from you. So let's give a minute to let people come in. So bring yourself into our learning lab. Make sure you share this out with your network so they too can get into the learning laboratory and come on in and let us know where you are coming in from. So if you can come in and let us know would be awesome. We have our fellow sister scientists hey, joining us. That. Lona Small, all the way from Maryland, joining us. And while people are coming in, I'm going to do a plug. If you didn't catch the Elaborate Topics podcast, it was on today, streaming live at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So you, yes. you can catch the episode. was awesome. It was how to lead when your boss can't or won't. So check it out. We okay. were giving you some serious nuggets. So make sure you <laughs> check it out. You can find it on your favorite podcast platform, directimpactbroadcasting.com, or any of the social media channels. I will say those that are listening in, our listeners are heavy from Texas. I wonder why. <laughs> they are I got Texas sold up. Well, we good over here. I don't know what y'all doing on, on your coast, but the South well, is here. Listen, <laughs> you're right, because it's like <laughs> Texas, and then it's Maryland. The South is here. <laughs> Ohio, where are you at? You ain't even representing for your girl. Come on, Ohio, stand up. Represent for your girl. What y'all doing over there in Ohio now? Everybody sleep. <laughs> Everybody had a long day because their boss wasn't leading. <laughs> Stephanie, can you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, who you are, and why you are here today sharing with us? <laughs> Absolutely. My name is Stephanie Whitehead. Many of you may have already known me from my affiliations with my co-host, Tywana uh, Wilson and Lona Small, who is helping us out in the chat as we speak. We have um, a podcast that we all co-host together for a little bit over a year now, or just about a year, called the Elaborate Topic Podcast. And so uh, if you have not had an opportunity to check that out, please do. We've got all of the tips you need to excel inside and outside the laboratory profession. Um, and we're practical and we are giving it to you every Tuesday, a new episode, either an interview with an interesting guest, a roundtable talk 
or just hearing from one of us individually about tips that you need to help you along the way in the laboratory profession. Uh, like I said, my name is Stephanie. I'm an executive director at a health system here at Texas. I'm originally from Mississippi. Um, I've been in the laboratory field nearly 20 years, uh, particularly in management, almost 15 years. And I'm here to help you say what you have to say as a leader. The title of the, of the talk today is How Do I Say That? And we're just going to give you some quick, effective communication tips to help you communicate clear and concise and straightforward in any way you need to communicate. All right. Stephanie, it's all you. All right. Now, like I said before, this is just going to be a quick overview. I want to give you guys a quick, a couple of quick tips uh, as you're communicating through your day to give you a couple of more ways to make sure that you are communicating effectively. So what I want all of our listeners to do right now is to think about a leader that you encountered that communicated effectively. The best boss, the best leader, the best presenter that you've ever had. And what were the situations or what were the details of that conversation, that interaction that made that conversation, that uh, connection with that leader so effective? They really conveyed what they needed to convey. I want you to picture that time, that time when somebody really communicated effectively to you. Now I want you to think about a time when you either observed or you experienced a leader who did not communicate effectively. And so the latter, when we think about that, that's what we, we want to help you. That's what we want to help you overcome. Because we've all been in a situation where um, everybody walked out of the room confused. Um, everybody walked out of the room not feeling heard or validated. Maybe, you know, everybody, a couple of people gathered for that meeting after the meeting to talk about why whatever was communicated was not clear, concise, or going to work. And so we want to make sure that as we're in these times of rapidly changing situations and um, our staff is needing to have information as clear as possible, especially due to this pandemic, that we are communicating effectively. And so this is just a couple of different situations as a leader where we need to communicate. I mean, our entire job as a leader is to um, communicate and to communicate through many different situations. If you think about it, you can go through all of these situations in your, in your eight to 10 hour day at work. Conflict management, maybe you're helping two employees work out um, a situation that might've happened on the bench or in their phlebotomy station performance management. If you've got new employees and you've got other employees that you are coaching towards, you know, performance and greatness, um, and you're trying to clearly convey where they need to improve and the turnaround time that they need to improve that, that performance in um, and give them clear directions on what they need to do to excel or go above and beyond in your department. Crucial conversations. These are the conversations that we have that are difficult to have, but they need to be had so that we could all be on the same page. Even though we may have different opinions, even though we may have strong emotions behind those opinions, uh, we need to have that conversation so we can come to a middle ground and understand which direction we're going to go uh, as leaders. Change management. And that has been all over this COVID pandemic, right? You know, Things have changed, you know, rapidly in the laboratory world as we've learned more about COVID-19 and the effects and um, how that virus works. And so we've had to communicate those changes to our staff and we'll need to continue to communicate to those, those changes to our staff. 
meetings, you know, whether they be in person or whether they be virtual, if they're virtual, how can we make sure that we're using our time effectively, that we're, you know, uh, optimizing the technology that we have, that we're continuing to be engaging, although people aren't physically around. Email, um, we've all had those emails that we had to scroll three, four times before we get to the bottom of the email. Um, and so, you know, you may lose a couple of people and then presentations like I'm doing now. So as leaders, we have so many opportunities to communicate, but also so many opportunities to get it wrong. And that's why this topic is really important. Um, some barriers to communicate, to effective communication. So, you know, was there a lack of planning before you communicated? Um, did you consider, you know, was what your audience was? Did this meeting need to be a meeting or needed to be to be a one-on-one? -on -one? Do we need 20 people in the meeting to go over something that only really affects one or two departments? Um, what is your communication style? You know, um, there are some times when we're communication, communicating that we need to be more assertive. And there are other times when we're communicating, we need to be more informational and maybe ask for feedback. Um, and see if other people can support the communication because we're trying to get together and collect information for, before we come to a complete decision. Another barrier to effective communication that might be present is a lack of trust. And so when uh, the leader has a lack of trust amongst the people that are following them or their team, that can create a dysfunctional and toxic work environment um, leading to sabotage, you know, even lawsuits, um, micromanagement, you know, maybe um, all these, uh, you know, consequences that breed unhappy employees, right? Um, grievances, et cetera, people having hidden agendas, people wasting time trying to defend their position and defend their decisions. You know, if you've ever had, you know, these lengthy conversations with night shift versus day shift or the phlebotomist versus the text, you know, is there a lack of trust that is impeding um, the bear and making barriers to effective communication. Uh, are we making an assumption about the listener rather than by ignoring their emotions and ignoring um, their body language or what they're saying? Do we have inappropriate body language? We know when many people have taught, and I'm sure all of you have been through classes that talk about um, how personal communication is made up of 55% body language, 38% tone, and 7% of your actual words. So, you know, if we are trying to express excitement, but I'm sitting there on my phone or I'm rolling my eyes or I'm checking my email, um, or if my body language expresses that I'm uninterested or irritated or bored, you know, it could also impact the effectiveness of my communication. Because we know my actual words are only 7% of the entire communication. Are you ignoring feedback? And the most important one is, do you lack self-confidence? You know, the lack of self-confidence make it difficult to communicate anything with assertiveness. And so what I always like to tell people, if you're the leader, be the leader. Uh, this happens when you end your sentences with like qualifying statements like kind of or sort of. And when you do that, that can minimize the impact of what you're actually trying to say. So really, there are just three strong tips that I want to give you today for effective communication. And that is to prepare your message. So before you go into communicating, make sure you have a you have a clear goal for the communication and how it will connect to your audience. And think about, like I said before, think about who your audience is. 
Are you communicating to the C-suite? Are you communicating to your team? Are you conveying something to people outside of the laboratory? Um, make sure no matter who your audience that you are clear with the, the message's overall objective. So what do you want people to glean for that? Do you want people to vote at the end? Do you want people to have a directive at the end? Do you want people to just have an understanding at the end? And think about the topic and the timing and how those two can mix and cause a potential for miscommunication. Um, this can happen frequently now that we're using email and WebEx more often. I'll tell you uh, one situation that we have in our laboratory. Now that we are mostly virtual with our meetings, we have some WebEx meetings or Zoom meetings that are reoccurring. And so if I want to, if it's, if it's a reoccurring meeting every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and on Tuesday, I want to cancel the Wednesday's meeting, um, or on Tuesday, I'm sorry, on Tuesday, I want to cancel the Friday's meeting. I might wait until after Wednesday because I don't want that communication to get mixed up and people misperceive that as I'm canceling the Wednesday meeting because it is a reoccurring meeting. And so think about the timing of your of your communication and, and how those things can fit into to miscommunicating your message. Make sure that when you're delivering your message, you're communicating the what, when, how, and why. And then always make sure that when you're receiving your message, it's very important as a leader that we both speak and we actively listen. Active listening is the ability to focus entirely on individual speaking and to comprehend what they are saying. It means that we retain what somebody tells you and we understand the message that they are relaying. And so as, a, as effective leaders, like I said, it's just as important that we um, listen as that we be able to speak and speak effectively. I want to, you know, uh, you're a leader and you've been a leader just as long as I have. And so what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's very important. Lona uh, said something in the comments about body language. Body language is... Mm -hmm key because yeah. I, I know for for me i have to be very mindful of how my facial expressions because right. when i think something it, it it usually shows on my on my face so thinking about you know your tone mm -hmm. you know it's not, it's not my mom used to always say it's not what you say it's how you say it mm -hmm. and and my husband he tells me that as well and so being mindful of that just that that tone are you talking loud are you talking with mm -hmm. your hands like i'm doing right now yeah you, know, you know what I have to be careful of as a leader it's very difficult because your your device is always tied to you you're getting text messages constantly from staff from your bosses people that you doctors people that you have to respond to immediately and it's very easy for me to go huh taiwana what'd you say What'd you say? Oh yeah, yes, yes, we can absolutely do that. You know, it's very easy for me to do that. And you know, I have to actually focus on if I'm gonna have a meaningful conversation, particularly with an employee, to lock my computer screen so I'm not tempted to check my email, turn my phone over and engage in that conversation. Absolutely. I think that's that's critical, especially for those who are leaders, 
Mm -hmm. new leaders or even, you know, mm -hmm. those that are experienced. You made a great point because I've been in meetings with people uh, in their office. It's a one-on-one -on -one and they're disrupted by their phone, by right. the beeping on their computer. And that mm -hmm. communication, I mean, is one of those, is once somebody's kind of turned off, then it's like, it, that's mm -hmm. it. That's, it's almost mm -hmm. like losing trust. Once a right. person is feel like you are disconnected they're like okay you you're not serious you're not even mm -hmm. serious about listening to what i have going on here so and as you're communicating check the posts of the audience that you're you're communicating with especially if you're virtual maybe throw something out hey everybody react put a reaction if you like that idea or put something in the chat box it's very easy for people to get distracted um, going through their day-to-day -day business with so many virtual meetings. So it's it's very easy to turn on your Zoom and then start doing something else. And if you're in person, you know, scan the room, look at people's, look at other people's body language. Are most people on their phone? Are most people frowning? Are people who are sitting at the far end of the room, you know, whispering or giggling to each other? Check the posts of your audience to see, you know, maybe I'm losing everybody or maybe what I'm what I'm trying to say isn't coming across right. And pause in that communication to make sure you can capture your audience back. Absolutely. That's a very good point. And earlier, Lona said it. Yes. Comes out with your body language. Right. So listen, audience. What do you all think? Those that are in our virtual lab, what do you think? Drop your comments, your thoughts, share those in the comments. We would love to hear from you. Just wanted to bring up some of our guests. So we have Tibet that's here with us. Thank you, Tibet. So thank you for joining in. And where are you from? Where are you tuning in from? Uh, for some reason, I want to say Texas since everybody's from Texas. <laughs> I don't know if she's from Texas, but I tell you, Tybeck got a whole alphabet behind her name. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. <laughs> Congratulations on all of your accomplishments, Tybeck. That is wonderful. That is awesome stuff. <laughs> And, and I don't know if she's from Texas or not. I just know that the people from Texas, when they know that Stephanie Whitehead <laughs> is going to be in the building, they show up. So <laughs> I love my fans. I love my fans. <laughs> <laughs> so that that was an awesome uh, presentation that you gave for us, uh, Stephanie. And when I think about the communication piece, are there certain like deal breakers that people shouldn't say? So when I when I'm trying to get with that is I've had some leaders, some supervisors that uh, that are newer that I've uh, coached and mentored, and some of the the verbiage that they use or was using. I could be a little bit confrontational. So one of the things, especially if they are talking with staff, one of the things that, that one of them used to say was they would always start it out with like, first of all. Oh. And, but, <laughs> I, I felt like you like, first of all, oh. what did first of all do for you did that was that <laughs> first of all means that you don't, don't worry about the second. <laughs> this is the first, and that's all you need to worry about. It's a little aggressive. It's a, <laughs> it's a little defensive. It's a very defensive phrase. 
Um, so. I think I think you um, as a leader should always like like I said before those three circles. Take the time, especially if you're a new leader, to prepare your message um, and to maybe even work with a mentor or another leader that you trust, another colleague that you trust to review that message to see how you're coming across. Think about the reasons why you want to say some of the things you want to say, um, because you may not be using all of your emotional intelligence skills as you're communicating that. Sometimes if we are taking things personally, or you know, feeling defensive or feeling uh, defeated in a certain situation that comes across in our communication, and, and that's part of the preparation work to remove the emotions, to remove the uh, subjectivity of it, and to be objective and and communicate something clear and concise with action. There's a great book out there called No Hard Feelings, and um, I, I'd like to recommend it to anybody who has a hard time removing their feelings from work because a lot of times when we have difficulty in communication, it's because we don't understand how to remove emotions and not things take personal, not take things personally at work. Um, we definitely want to always remain professional. Um, so there shouldn't be any curse words, there shouldn't be any slang all of those things. If you think about how you would communicate to the person at the highest level in your organization. So I'm going to send an email to the CEO. I'm not going to start it out with, first of all, CEO. I'm not going to start it. <laughs> I'm not going to start it out like that. Uh, and the way I would communicate to the CEO, if I'm giving everybody in my organization the same level of respect um, and the same level of integrity, then I would communicate that same way to my staff. And if I'm having a problem with that, like I say, when I'm and when I'm preparing to deliver my message, then maybe I should work with a person. I'm a, I'm actually a mentor through the ASCP and through the ASCLS. If you need a mentor on communicating or uh, emotional intelligence, be sure to to reach out to me. Um, you can find my link tree on any of my social medias: uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, LinkedIn. Um, and you can apply to be a mentor with a mentee with me and I'll help you out. But I would say it is better to not deliver the message and prepare and then deliver it correctly. than then just go in because you know what? Words are just like toothpaste. You can't put it back in the tube. Once it's out there, it's out there. <laughs> Once it's out there, it's out there. And so you can you can apologize. You can try to retract. You can try to recall emails if you want to. But there's always going to be that one person that read it. <laughs> that's true that's, that's very true and lona said yes we should listen to really understand what our audience wants to say mm -hmm. lona got an alphabet behind her name too i never know that <laughs> lona does have an alphabet behind her <laughs> And she said, what well, we was talking about the first of all, yes, it does. It's something about that, first of all. So if you are a new leader, especially, and you are working on your verbiage and you are, you know, first time with conflict management and you're working with staff, first of all, it's probably not what you want to use. You want to eliminate that uh, from your repertoire because it's something about it that does put people on defense. I had a leader that continuously interrupted, you know, and, um, you know, tried to overtalk. And what that did over time is it just kind of broke down the communication. You know, I, I really didn't want to communicate because um, I didn't feel like I was being heard. There wasn't a lot of active listening, I felt like. 
Um, and when I did communicate, I just made it as short and concise as possible because I was like, okay, you're going to interrupt me anyways. And so you have to, like I said, you know, take a pulse on your staff, um, take a pulse on your audience. When you're walking down the hallway and the people that avoid you, take notice of that. They're avoiding you for a reason, you know, um, and try to repair some of those things. Absolutely. Hi, Courtney. So hey, we Courtney. have Courtney in, in our virtual laboratory. And she says, how do you get someone off a merry-go-round in a conversation without offending them? Because <laughs> they want to talk, 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 talk. But what about? 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 <laughs> That's a very good question because you know sometimes you feel like, uh, and you have to be like Tawanda. Sometimes I feel like, look, I, we have we have beat this horse, we buried it, dug it up, resurrected it, and beat it again. Come on, like what? Are, what else are we going to talk about here? A lot of times, what I like to do is um, really be poignant call people back to, hopefully you set up an appointment. So this appointment is supposed to be 30 minutes or one hour and say, you know, we're, we're reaching the time limit for our conversation. And I want to make sure that we can walk away with some actionable items here that we can both think about and some, you know, how can we get back down to, you know, what needs to happen and what can we control, you know, try what you can to use phrases to pull them back off that cliff. And so, you know, I love to use the phrase, given that, you know, okay, given that we are short staffed, I realize that we are short staffed. Now, how can we maybe walk away and meet again tomorrow, but tomorrow focus on how we can come up with a schedule with the staff, with the staff we have? Or given that the nurses aren't labeling things correctly, I understand that. It's going to take us some time to fix it, but let's step away today and meet again tomorrow with some actionable steps that we can take to the nursing leaders to try to, you know, focus on education. So I would try to just kind of close the conversation because if it's going around in a circle, it obviously means that you you guys have gotten into kind of a cycle in that conversation that's, that it, where it's gotten to like an unproductive point. And so I would try to close it um, by giving an actionable item at the end and then revisiting it on another day, maybe when it's fresher. And when you revisit, focus on those actions. What do you think, Taiwana? No, I thought that was great advice. And I would also say, you know, knowing your audience is key, especially when you're having these meetings with people, knowing your mm -hmm. audience and setting those boundaries and expectations up front. Because we all know, especially if we are our leaders and managers, we have some of those staff members that can talk. And so mm -hmm. if you set the ground rules up front, you know, we are meeting is 30 minutes. I want to be respectful of your time, you know, mm -hmm. and so that you're sticking to that time. And so mm -hmm. that way it helps that so that you're not getting on that merry-go-round and going back and forth from round and round because we got 30 minutes. We got 40 mm -hmm. minutes. We got 60 minutes or whatever the case. But if you set that up front, then it doesn't seem as abrasive once it's time to wrap up if we haven't got to a solution yet. And Courtney, you know, another thing about knowing your audience is knowing the tendencies of some of the staff. And so if you know that that is a tendency of a person in your audience, a lot of times I like to ask them, you know, you, you came in my office and you told me all this, are you venting or would you like me to take action on all of the things you just said? And that forces people to think about all the things they just said. You know, sometimes people just come in 
Um, and you have to control the energy, your energy, too. you know, as a leader, we have to control our energy and our time and be responsible for our productivity as well. So people come in and vomit all their problems in your office. And OK, that's fine. I have an open door policy. But are you venting or would you like me to help you with any of this? If you're venting, then, you know, I have about 10 more minutes and I have another meeting. If you'd like me to help you with this, let's set up some specific time for you to come back. And I'd like to help you work through actions for all of those things you just mentioned. Absolutely. So Lona says a book called The Coaching Habit will help with asking specific questions and reduce all the merry-go-rounds. So there is a resource for you all. The Coaching Habit. So Thank you. I haven't read that. I'm going to check that out. So that might be one to check out. Candace said that was good information that works for her as well. So those mm -hmm. are great tips. So Lona said it's called the coaching habit. Say less and ask more. Right. And yeah, we really should be doing more listening than we are talking. I was just on a training today. It was a two-day project management training. And that was the key. It was like when mm -hmm. you were talking about working on a lot of these diverse projects, and, you know, when do they get derailed? You know, the, when you have the diverse team, is everybody contributing? And one of the big things, especially if you are the project manager or leader, is making sure that you listen. I know in our in our environment, and we have a bunch of laboratorians, kudos to the lab people that's uh, committed <laughs> and invested to their personal growth. Thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate it. But in our environment, we like to talk and not necessarily listen. So mm -hmm. we want to talk and give our, our, our peace, our two cents, and this is why this is going to work or this is why it's not going to work, but not necessarily listening all the time for understanding. We listen to respond. Right. So that's, that's uh, you know, one of the things that kind of stood out for me in that training that I had today. So right. Stephanie, what Lona gave us a book. What what book is your go-to? What's your go-to leadership book for communication or just leadership in general? So I love um, like I mentioned before, no hard feelings. Um, that's very helpful with um, like I said, removing the emotion from things. Um, a great book to coach people through how to have those difficult conversations is crucial conversations. Um, and it's by a variety of authors, authors, but we talked about this in the presentation. It's how to have those conversations when the stakes are high, when opinions may vary, um, and when you need to come to a common ground on some things. And another book just about leadership that's very interesting, it's called It Worked For Me. It's by Colin Powell. And it's a great book. Um, it's a great book about his leadership and his time in the military and how he you know, help to motivate troops and help to move things along through his career. Awesome. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Uh, love a good book, especially if I can find it on audio. And if it's read by the author, a lot of times it makes it even better. <laughs> so Stephanie, I'd like to ask all of my, my leaders, because we have people in our virtual laboratory who are aspiring to be where you are as an executive leader. They are aspiring to move to the next level, whatever that might be in their industry. 
whether a supervisor, maybe a section lead or manager. So can you tell us a little bit about, I know you talked about your journey earlier, but some of those learning lessons that you had along the way, because sometimes mm -hmm. people see the end result. So they right. see Stephanie, and if you are ever in Texas and you are in <laughs> San Antonio and you walk through the airport, that's where your photo is I, I just got a text message from a friend of mine who was coming through the airport. <laughs> uh, and you know, funny story, I, I, um, was in the local grocery store and I was with my entire family and I had a gentleman walk up to me and he said, I just saw you at the airport. And my husband was like, what? <laughs> and I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Misunderstanding. This was not effective communication. This was miscommunication. <laughs> um, but so people might thing. see you in the airport, in the in the hospital, because like, yo, yeah. like you, listen, Stephanie was part of a big campaign. She's like in her hospital. They got like her big photo in the airport. <laughs> and so people see that and see where you are today, but they don't see the journey. And so right. I like listeners and, and our, our viewers to kind of know, like, you know, this wasn't easy getting here. I got here and so can you. But what mm -hmm. are some of those learning lessons that you can share with the viewers? I like to say um, that one, you know, when I started out as a laboratorian, I did not know that I was me. And when I say that, you know, when I was a tech working night shift, reading diffs and, you know, you know, feuding with people on other shifts of mine. I didn't know that several years down the line, I was going to be the executive director of a large, you know, level one trauma hospital. And then all of these experiences were preparing me for that end goal or for, you know, where I am today. And so don't take anything away from your journey. What is for you will be for you. You will have what you're supposed to have. You know, I was thinking back in the day that I was supposed to have things that were meant for other people, maybe jobs that I had applied, maybe spots, volunteer spots on committees that, or awards that I had applied for and I didn't get. Um, but those things were not for me. Everything had lined up in my life to get me exactly where I needed to be. Another piece of advice that I would give specifically to leaders is to realize um, that you are in that job for a reason. So if you're the supervisor, you're the manager, you're the director, I would encourage you to go to work. And it's gonna sound very funny, but it helped me. Uh, and when I started using this mindset, everything changed. Go to work expecting for something to go wrong and that you are the person to fix it. Now, when something doesn't go wrong, you got it. You got off that day. You know what I mean? Like it's like going to the gym and it's an easy workout. It's like, whoo, I got away that day. But when <laughs> When something does happen, you are already prepared and in the mindset to be the resolution, you know, to that problem that arises. You know, you're the director, you're the manager, you're the supervisor for a reason. They're literally paying you to resolve the problems that come up. So don't be sur surprised when the problems come up, when a person resigns, when, you know, there is conflict amongst the team, you know, when a CAP proficiency test is failed, um, when a pop-up inspection comes, you know, you're you're that person. You, you're the reason we're in that seat. And you should always be prepared for those things that pop up. Um, a couple of pieces of advice um, that have helped me along the way. Definitely uh, one of the best pieces of advice I got was praise publicly and criticize privately. 
you know, um, again, the, the proper way to communicate, um, the proper way to communicate and engage your staff and, and you know, ensure trust uh, with everybody. Um, and like I said before, it, when you are the expert, talk like you're the expert. Don't be overly differential or modify your statements with I, I think or maybe or sort of or kind of. When you're talking to people who are your peers or retire you in the organization, you are the lab expert. So, you know, be confident and whatever you have to do to prepare your message, if you have to study up, um, if you have to, you know, uh, ask for advice from other laboratorians, if you have to seek, you know, literature, study up, but, you know, walk in as you are the expert. If you're caught off guard, say, you know, I, I don't know the answer to that. Let me look that up and get right back to you and get back to people immediately. People don't expect you to be Einstein, but people do expect you to have confidence when you speak. So um, I think those are the best pieces of advice that I can give people. That was good. And that was really good. Lona said, yes, be prepared. Being prepared is key. And embracing the journey. Mm -hmm. I, I love that what you said, praise publicly and criticize privately. And so I see a, a lot of times, especially with newer leaders, uh, that they uh, criticize. Well, is that we didn't meet the turnaround time because of this or, or whatever the case may be. Just know somebody is always looking and somebody is always watching. And whether you are the supervisor, the team lead, the section lead, the coordinator, whatever the case may be, you are in that role for a reason. You transition from peer to lead. And so, you know, sometimes I, I hear people, especially staff, they transition from the bench to whatever is that, that next level, coordinator, team leader, you know, whatever the case may be. And they still kind of struggle with having that additional level of authority. And, you know, they'd be like, well, it's above my pay grade or I'm not qualified to make those decisions. And I, I love what you said about the confidence earlier in the talk, but that whole praising publicly, because if you transition from peer to lead, whatever that lead might be, you have to be mindful of what you are communicating with the rest of your team. You know, if you're coming off and your manager did something that you didn't agree with, are you out there with the rest of the team bad talking uh, the manager or, or saying words that are not uh, kind, being more hurtful than helpful? And we talked about this in the podcast that released today, the Elaborate Topics podcast, where we talked about how to lead when your boss can't or won't, because sometimes they don't know either. Uh, but we talked about being able to really play up the strengths of your of your boss and not trying to tear them down. But then you also said when you are the expert, talk like you're the expert. And and sometimes that can be a struggle uh, for for uh, I know for lab laboratorians because we're used to being uh, behind the scenes and and as we say wearing that badge of honor that we are the unseen detectives well it's time to move to the front of the room it's time to come to the front of the room and as you take on these positions as you move up the ladder as you work on these across departmental teams, across the hospital as the, as the bench technologist, and you're on the safety committee that spans the, the hospital, 
you have to come to the front of the room and talk like the expert that you are with the title, without the title, with the initials, without the initials, with the degree or without the degree. Right. I love it. Yeah, you're so right. So I think those are some awesome nuggets. You gave some great advice on what you have uh, received. Uh, you know, one thing I, I, I like to talk about, too, is failure. You know, mm -hmm. everybody said, well, I haven't failed before. You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> everybody has had a failure <laughs> some time or another. <laughs> And so, again, this is our learning laboratory. This is a safe place for people to come and learn and grow and develop. But do you have a, a time where you have uh, maybe had a failure in, in your life that you would like to share with the, the viewers? Well, one thing I like to tell people is even if you fail, try to fail up. And so, you know, if you're going to fail, make it the last time that that is your failure. Recognize that that is a weakness of yours and then commit to um, turning it into a strength, whatever you got to do, whether you got to get a mentor, whether you're going to commit to listening to TED Talks and podcasts, whether you're going to, you know, uh, take classes or take additional courses. But if you understand, especially as a leader, that in a soft skill, that something is a failure of yours, you know, recognize that nobody's perfect. You know, being a leader is about being a lifetime learner. You're, ne you're, you're never going to be to the end. It's always a journey. And you're always kind of continuing to be learning and adding more things to your toolbox um, as you have more interactions. And if you have more experiences, you will build on the interactions and, you, and experiences you've had thus far. Um, and it will create you know, better experiences for those people who lead or who are following you. Uh, I, I've said this story many, many times. People always laugh when I say it, but, you know, it, if the person that this happened to is watching, I, I want to apologize again. But, you know, we've talked about this on a couple of different episodes about my first time firing somebody and how, you know, at that time I did not have uh, the confidence in my in my message. I did not do all the preparation I needed because if I had, I would have had another person with me to assist me. Um, and you know, additionally, I, I didn't use all of the confidence and qualify, and I use those qualifiers. So, kind of, I think maybe so. And when you think about terminating somebody employment and separating them from the organization, you need to have a very strong message when you're doing that. And so this individual that um, that I was uh, you know, talking to and delivering that message to um, started to cry. So then I started to cry. It made the meeting much longer than it needed to be. <laughs> and you know, the individual ended up coming back because they didn't get the message that they were fired. So we had to have that conversation all over again but you know what i learned from that <laughs> is you know i needed to have more emotional intelligence i needed to um really sit uh with my my team and my hr team and my leaders and understand because i was very you know my first director position i was 25 and so um i'm, I'm leading people who have been in the field long longer than i've been alive you know um and so i'm working through um, ageism, you know, uh, people who didn't trust me because they felt like I had a lack of experience, um, you know, people who didn't trust me um, in situations because I had not been in them before. So I was, you know, I was fighting an uphill battle and, and it was difficult, but 
um, I committed to making everything that I, I felt like was a weakness, you know, a strength. And I still do that. You know, when we have uh, conferences and you sit at those white tables around people that you don't know and you never get to sit with the people you came to the conference with, you know, <laughs> you're always sitting with people that you don't know. And, you know, for so long, I, I really struggled in those situations because I'm not the best at making small talk. Uh, I'm not the best at initiating, um, you know, conversations with people. Um, and that may be that introverted trait of, you know, a, a medical laboratory scientist. Uh, but, you know, I actually took the time and it sounds weird, but it took time to listen to a lot of podcasts, read a lot of books, listen to TED Talks about how to start conversations, about how to be a conversationalist um, and about how to step outside your box. Um, and it's actually very easy. It's mostly about asking questions to the other person and keeping them engaged um, in small talk. Um, but, you know, I didn't want to be the person at the table who kind of sat there and waited for the bread and the butter um, and sipped the water, you know, with the ice and the glasses sweating anyways, you know, <laughs> you never know who you're sitting around. And so I wanted to make sure that once, you know, my my opportunity met that situation that I was going to be prepared. And so, you know, uh, if you know you have a weakness, if you know you have a way of talking to people that is abrasive or uh, off-putting, if you know that you get tense or get shy or get nervous when you're about to have a difficult conversation, those are the things that you should invest in improving um, rather than shy away from them. Absolutely. And, and I like what you said, you know, taking that time to invest in developing those skills. You you had that experience where you knew you needed to increase your emotional intelligence. And so you took that time to listen to podcasts, to mm -hmm. go to courses, to read books. And, and I think that's important. I think it's important as you are learning and growing to apply you know, to mm -hmm. apply and and put into practice what you are learning. One of the things that you said that you mentioned today with this being a, a topic on communication and what it made me think about is I just had a meeting, maybe last week was the meeting. And as leaders, you have to admit when you are wrong and, and you mm -hmm. have to be okay with it. So I had a meeting with uh, some of my leaders and we were talking about, you know, it was one, it was a meeting. We were talking about competency assessment. Those are of you that's in the laboratory, you know, the competency assessment is a big deal. And so we're standardizing across multiple locations. And so one of the things that came up, there was like not a lot of participation in the meeting. And I, I have some leaders that are very vocal and, and some not as much. And you know, I said, well, nobody contributed or sent in. There was a request for some questions for our assessment. I said, but except one person. And so one of the other leaders did send me uh, some feedback in advance. She did send me her questions. And so when you realize that you are, as a leader, you have made an error, it's important that you correct it right away. And so so one of the things that I did, because she brought, she sent me a note and was like, well, I did uh, send you uh, what you asked for uh, in advance. So before anybody got off the call, 
I said, you know, I owed uh, that person an apology. She did send me something. I didn't say she sent me a, a note and all of that. I just said, yeah, I was going back through my through my notes and I do see where this person participated. So I want to make sure that, you know, that I apologize for, you know, me making a mistake on that part. And so I think it's important as leaders to be able to, you know, own up and admit when you have, you know, made a mistake. And so that mm -hmm. comes from growing, from mm -hmm. applying, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, you know, and understanding that it's it's really not about you. It's about those that, that you come in contact with. Well, it also comes with a bit of self-awareness, right? To know that I'm not all-knowing, I'm not perfect, and it's okay to be wrong. Now, and now, what is the worst thing that's going to happen if Coach T apologizes in a moment where she knows she made an error? Um, you know, I think it's those moments when people just think about the blanket word of trust, you know, and just, you have to trust me. And if you think about the people in your life that you trust the most, it didn't, you just didn't walk up on them the first time you met them and you started trusting them. You know, it was a, a, a lot of small acts of me being able to trust you and trust you more and trust you with bigger things and bigger pieces of knowledge or bigger assignments or bigger projects over time. And so what Coach DT did there for the audience added to the trust bank with that person that, you know, she is accountable and uh, to her own mistakes and she has integrity as my colleague and my coworker to to let other people know when she's incorrect instead of you know coach t could have did very many things in that moment you know she could have glossed over it she could have privately told her oh yeah i did see it i'm sorry but not let the public know um she could have did a lot of things but what she did in that moment you know we'll, we'll continue to build trust with that person i want people to know you know if you have a title or if you're new your new supervisor new manager that title only takes you so far you know that the title gives you maybe a good three to six months of people to give you leeway but in that time you need to be building trust building relationships building influence um so people will actually follow you or else you will see it show up in other ways you will see it show up when people start to leave your department um you will see it show up as people start to rebel uh, there start well there will start to be you know you know worse aspects of your culture um, less teamwork, you know, people may quit. I like, I like to say a lot of people quit on the job. And what that looks like is they just take longer breaks and they just take slower time <laughs> to do what they need to do. And they, you know, they spend, you know, if there's an hour in a day, I'm going to spend 30 minutes on Instagram. I'll spend 30 minutes doing my actual job. And so what you see is just a loss of productivity and less engagement from your employees. Um, so it's definitely something to look at and, and really good thing that you did there in that situation. Absolutely. I constantly am working on, you know, being self-aware and leading by example. So I, mm -hmm. I don't want, I can't tell you to do something that I'm not willing to do. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And so yeah. I wanted to make sure that I took the time in that moment to recognize that, I, that I was, that I was wrong. Mm -hmm. So Dana, our fellow sister scientist, said good evening. Great hey, discussion. Dana. This is so valuable for the laboratory professionals at any level, from entry level to expert. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So Stephanie, how can the viewers get connected or stay connected with you as our time today is coming to a close? 
Um, check me out on all of my social medias. Like I said, I try to keep it simple. So I'm Stephanie Y. Whitehead on all of my social medias. That is Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Um, under my bio on all of those social medias, you'll see a link tree. And that link tree will take you to all of our episodes of the Elaborate Topics podcast. Um, it will take you to the, uh, the guest sign up if you want to be a guest on the podcast. Uh, it'll take you to where you can um, link up with me on ASCP or through ASCLS to be a mentee. Um, and I can mentor you or just a place where you can find my email address and email me. And, you know, let's start a dialogue and um, see how we can help each other out. Awesome. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming into our virtual learning laboratory and sharing with the viewers, giving such great information on communication. Yes, you always give great nuggets. I say this all the <laughs> I say this all the time on the podcast, but you you really do. You really give mm -hmm. such great insight into ways to better communicate. And every time that I listen to you and I hear you talk, I, mm -hmm. I learn something every day. So I thank you so much for taking the time out to come to mm -hmm. the learning laboratory and share with the viewers. You definitely have been awesome. And I thank you so much. So thank listen, you for having me. Anytime. You can come back anytime, girl. Come on back. <laughs> We got a few more comments I'll show before we wrap on up out of here. So we have Tierra. She had said great advice. Thanks, Stephanie. Thank you. So our Thank you, Tierra. From Ohio. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm okay over there. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay over there. Candace is Candace paid on. So she said, thank you, thank you, thank you. Courtney said, great information as always. Hey, so, Courtney. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Check us out next week. Same bat channel, same bat <laughs> time. We'll have another mentor in our virtual laboratory. We have an educator coming to us next week from Maryland, Dr. Christine Handy. And I think she's going to be talking to us a little bit about fanatical leadership. So tune in next week. And until then, have an awesome rest of your week. Thank you, friends, for tuning in to another episode of Leadership Tidbits with Coach T. Wilson, where Taiwana speaks with leaders who share nuggets of wisdom that you can use in your personal and professional life. Follow her on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Coach T. Wilson. Connect on LinkedIn or visit www.coachtwilson.com. And remember, in life, learn as much as you can, appreciate often, and lead fearlessly.